Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Before we get to today's podcast, which I think is going to be a pretty good one, I'm going to talk to you about our good friends over at TickPick. With football finally back on tonight, welcome back, NFL. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find tickets for your Cleveland Browns anymore. TickPick, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as far as your go-to place to get NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of those awful service fees the other sites charge, which can sometimes double the listing price. With TickPick, they'll guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets, and if you don't believe it, they'll prove it. You find a better price, they'll match it up to 110% of the difference of that purchase price, which is a fantastic offer. So if you were looking to go to one of the first two home games, the Texans or the Bears, you can check out TickPick, find a great price, and take advantage of the offer that they have going on right now. If you go to TickPick.com slash breakdown using my code again, breakdown for OBR Film Breakdown listeners, you can get $10 off your first order of Cleveland Browns tickets. Go to TickPick.com slash breakdown. Take advantage of that offer. So we are going to start this podcast by talking a little bit about this game myself. I'm going to bring in John Colosimo here in just a minute. We're going to talk about... I think it's 21-16, kicking off the second half. We're going to talk a little bit of our first impressions from this game. Not going to spend much time at all. Just a text conversation we had. A reminder that it's been a weird week where we have not had our normal offensive, defensive, comprehensive breakdowns. So we have kind of had to bump the schedule up on a lot of different things. We had Ed Easton on of USA Today to talk about the Chiefs' offense. And then we had Daniel Harms on to talk about the Chiefs' defense. Those two podcasts have been the most recent, Behind Enemy Lines Part 1, Behind Enemy Lines Part 2. Usually that is going to be a single podcast every week. It'll be up for you on the on usually Fridays. That will be up for you. Maybe Thursday. I'm trying to kind of map out the day. You'll see next week. That's going to be a one-part thing. But this week, with the build-up to the Chiefs game, everybody's pumped about the kickoff of the season. I really wanted to make sure you understood where the Chiefs are Uh, both sides of the football. We are still unclear on what's going on with Tyron Matthew. There's been no clear update. So when we know, we'll share it with you and talk about it. Uh, You'll obviously find out from Twitter, but we'll have some reaction to it because it's going to be a really big swing. They don't have anybody quite like that guy on defense. Like I said, they can fill in Chris Jones' role with some different pass rushers, but they cannot replace Tyron Matthew in the secondary. So that is the pivotal news leading up to this game. We are going to welcome in our weekly usual guest, former co-host of this show, the man, uh, the myth. He's he's a legend, too. I don't even think he's a myth. You hear him enough. He's real. He's a legend. We're going to welcome in John Colosimo. What's up, brother? What's up, Jake? Uh, I mean, it feels great, huh? Finally having some real football. Uh, it's a pretty damn good day. Got the kids down uh, early, so pretty much got to see this whole thing, and uh, I'm just feeling great having the season back. Well, let's talk about this game. I mean, the thing that I think I've taken away is that Dallas has decided they're not going to run the football this year. 33 passes, five runs in the first half. And why should they? They have three phenomenal wide receivers. And what sparks our first point of of, of discussion here, John, is like, I love, listen, this is not meant to be, you're listening to this, a Cleveland Browns podcast, and I know you're excited about your Browns, and we are too. 
The Browns have three, maybe now four wide receivers that we like. You know, OBJ's coming back off the knee injury. We'll see what version of himself presents Sunday. You got Jarvis Landry. You got Richard Higgins, who we know. And you got this emerging Donovan Peoples-Jones and the lottery ticket Anthony Schwartz. Like, it's a good receiving core, but you watch Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and then you watch Antonio Brown slice people up for Tampa Bay with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and you're like, those weapons are different. Again, it's not meant to disrespect the Browns, but those two teams, these wide receiver groups, are like putting Antonio Brown on the, on a third corner or whoever gets matched up with whatever play. Like that's an incredible mismatch, man. It's amazing, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, somebody brought up a great point in that the fact that Michael Gallup is the sixth best wide receiver on the field in this game is just mind-boggling. It's insane. It's insane. And like, then you think about. Okay, if we don't, if we really think Antonio Brown's a version of the former Antonio Brown that we all know from the AFC North, then you're going to put your third, your third guy on him. And if you don't put your third guy on him, then you're putting your third guy on Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. And it's like, this is kind of madness. So I think to me, John, this is where you want to see the Browns wide receiver room eventually get to, right? Three really, 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 really good receivers. And that is why you would live in 11 personnel. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, they're they're not of this place, you know, right now. They're not in the same stratosphere. Uh you make the good point that just thinking about the third uh why uh cornerback on any team in this entire league having to defend uh one of the Tampa Bay three wide receivers and it's just uh how does that not just become, you know, just icing on the cake? I mean, you just pick on that guy all day. It doesn't matter, you know, who you choose to put him on there's always just going to be a mismatch and for sure that's that's where you'd love to see the browns get and that would be where they you know they need to be i think to to justify a major shift to that 11 personnel um you know you've alluded to earlier this offseason about how um you know early reports about them increasing this quite a bit are 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 ahead of themselves and i think that uh the point is really made well watching this game to open the season yeah, just, just better players, and that's okay. The Browns have better players at other positions, but you know the thing that stands out to me, both teams, heavy play action usage, holding linebackers down, creating downfield throws. You know, I don't hear anybody saying these quarterbacks need it to survive, yet they keep doing it, ironically enough. Uh, and, and really, too, a great example of not stat watching, because Tom Brady, I thought, played a flawless first half. Again, this could change by the end of this game. We won't be on live through the end of it, but... Uh, you know, he played a flawless first half, but he has two interceptions on a screen that bounces off his running back's hands and a perfect screen throw and a, and a Hail Mary. So it's like Dak Prescott, no interceptions, but he threw out a couple I think that will be graded as turnover-worthy throws. So uh, just a, a subtle reminder to watch and monitor the EPA numbers because that's what tells you quarterback play and pro football focus grade numbers are also another nice metric to evaluate these things. Expand your quarterback horizons. We're done talking about that game, though. Uh, real quick, though, before we get to the Browns, I wanted to get your knee-jerk reaction. I d- didn't mean to do that pun intended. I really don't. I feel bad for Baltimore, John. Like, Marcus Peters and, and Gus Edwards, ACLs in the same. I could just imagine, like, the report was these guys just walk. Like, they just said, go in. Like, just go. Like, I would wonder how close <laughs> these two things happened to one another, you know? Because it, it, it's like if it happened on, like, within a five-play series or, or whatever. Said, or Do you know that back answer? They said back-to-back. Oh yeah, my God, that's even back. that's even worse, man. Because if you mm-hmm. if you know a guy is is seriously hurt, you, you you all sink and he gets carted off or he walks off, 
And then to do it on another play back to back, whether that's true or not, even if it's within like a five play range, John, that is how do you get ready for week one? I mean, that is just so deflating. And especially a guy like Peters who they they mug and they and they they grab and they're physical at corner and they do that because they they trust those two guys, him and Marlon Humphrey, and like they put those guys on an island and then they go crazy with blitz stuff. So it's going to change so much for them, right? Even if they like Jimmy Smith and Averett or whoever's going to slide in, like they're not the same players. So it's going to change so, so much for them. And I just don't know how Baltimore can keep, keep pushing forward. Right? No, it's, it's positively charger esque um, how this rash of, uh, of ACLs has happened to them. And it definitely is going to have to, they're going to have to regroup and think about how they're going to change how they approach some of these games, because they just can't play it the same way, at least expecting the same results, even their run game, you know, as much as anybody wants to downplay some of the, um, you know, the effects of a running back, it, it's going to have a real effect on them, you know? So, um, I just, uh, it's, it's a terrible, you know, run of bad luck. And, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to see people get hurt for the season. It's not, you know, I haven't rooted for things like that since I was a, you know, uh, not old enough to really understand uh, the kind of impacts that has. So um, it's really unfortunate and it'll be interesting. I think, especially defensively, you know, you have that one uh, Ravens, um, Ravens guest who I think is excellent in breaking down, uh, the things that happen over there for their team. I would yeah, love Kim, to see Kim McCusick. His... I, would, I need to get his opinion on it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'd love to hear what he would think that they might do uh, as a uh, adjustment for this season. Uh, especially is is Peter's ACL confirmed? I know they said they thought that, but I wasn't sure if that was confirmed yet. She, yeah, Schefter tweeted both of them out like an identical <laughs> copy paste form, 15 minutes apart. So. Wow. Yeah, man, it's disastrous. It changes. Like, you know, the Gus Edward thing is, is terrible. And especially coming off what happened to JK, it's like, okay, but they can still be at least a shell of themselves offensively. I think they can be fine for the for the most part. They will lose that part of them that is so dangerous, right? It, they'll lose that. But they, they don't have to change their identity. They're still going to be the same running attack. Le'Veon Bell is not in the same ballpark as those two guys, but... Uh, you can get something right out of them. Like you can, you can be okay. It's going to reduce, like taking them from a hundred percent capacity now down to like 60%. Still dangerous though. Can still put up points, but defensively, I just don't know how Martindale does it because they have invested in those two corners and they mug people and they just go crazy with blitz concepts. And if you are susceptible, one of your corners is susceptible to being beat man to man, it is you can't do that. You can't do it. So that is a complete and utter uh, game changer from from a from a schematic standpoint. It should be now. They could have somebody on deck ready to go. They believe in. I don't know Baltimore's roster that well, but Jimmy Smith's not the guy Jimmy Smith was years ago. So I just don't. I don't know how they overcome it to to be who they have always been defensively. And they're aging. Their defensive line is aging. Uh, Patrick Queen has not been the player they thought he could be up front. So. A ton of questions. They just let go to they let go of Wade just now too, and I realize he's not, you know, he's going to be playing safety more in the league. But it's interesting that they had just because of the depth that they had let go of Wade um, in that trade, and um, just about a. I'm sure they wish they could have that one back. Of course, um, 
of course. You yeah, know, that's so. one with perfect hindsight. You'd say we'd like to try to now develop this guy, right? Like, we all mm-hmm. know Sean Wade struggled last year, but sometimes guys get into the NFL and they have a way of just figuring it out, and and you never know. So, I don't know. It's Baltimore. You don't ever feel that sorry for him, but you feel sorry for the guys getting hurt. You know, you just feel for those people that are that are trying to make careers and make money. And I know Gus just got a contract, and that's great. And I know. Uh, you know, I think Peters has already been paid too, but like JK, you hope he comes back fine and all of that. So it opens up the division, John. It just does. It makes the division even more wide open with Cleveland with a little bit of an edge. And, um, it's an ugly business, but that's the business, right? Injury luck every year swings things way more than everybody wants to talk about. It is the thing that we all have confidence in our teams and people just won't admit like, Hey, we need luck. We need some luck. We need injury luck. We need chaos luck in games where things bounce our way, and we need some some luck on turnovers. And, again, people are afraid to talk about luck. Like, they're just so afraid of it, and it's a thing. <laughs> it's such a thing in football when there's 22 dynamic athletes on the field at all times, and, and you're trying to trying to make it happen. You're all fighting over a piece of turf, essentially, you know? So, I don't know. Sure. Let's, let's talk about the Chiefs game. So, I'm going to throw some situations at you, and you can either tell me, you agree with them or you disagree with them. I'm framing this, John, as like, here's how the Browns go to Arrowhead and win or whatever the new stadium name is, something, something at Arrowhead. Um, let's start this one. Um, you need to go to Kansas City to beat them. You need to to control the football offensively, run the football really well, and milk the clock and keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. That's how you win this game. Do you agree or do you disagree with that? I couldn't disagree with this more. Uh, you know, I just think that it, this team is so explosive. And, uh, you know, I mean, you even look at, uh, you know, speaking of Dallas, the, the game that we had against Dallas last year, and I know that we've improved defensively, but I think we were up at one point something ludicrous like 44 to 17. And we still needed that reverse from, uh, you know, from Odell to ice that game in the end. And they're not as explosive as Kansas City. And I just don't believe that, uh, you know, attempting to slow things down uh, and chew clock, you know, I think that you just need to keep the change. You need to keep scoring. And however you want to do that, however you find the best way to do that, you should do that. But but having this specific run-heavy idea that you're going to, that you're going to control the clock against KC and it's going to stop them from scoring in under two minutes if that's what they want to do, I think is folly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Yes, I would agree with you on this. What I would say is if you go there with the mentality of we're going to be in heavy personnel, we're going to run all game and this is going to work, and then you have to adjust course and go spread it out, you know, even if you're still in 12 personnel, but go empty, whatever, it's a complete, you know, frame of mind shift, right? Like, which it's something you maybe weren't expecting to do. So I don't love it either. I think the Browns won the, correct me if I'm wrong, this is going to challenge your memory, John. I think the Browns won the toss and then and then re- chose to receive. I'm pretty sure. I, I could be wrong. I think that's correct. I think, I think they did correct. that as a means to try to get out in front. Like, hey, let's take the football. Let's go down and score. Let's get out in front of these guys early. You have to view it as a shootout. I really think you do. Like, you have to go there knowing Kansas City is going to score 30 points. Can we get over that? Now, they could, they could hold their goal defensively is not – I don't think – Joe Woods is going up to the whiteboard, writing thirty and circling it. Hey, man, we gotta we gotta keep him at third. No, like they're trying to shut him out. I get it, but the frame of mind is that Kansas City is so deadly that you have to know they're going to score and you have to try to outscore them as often as you can uh, keep up or get out in front of them. Now, if you get up twenty-one nothing, I can understand trying to uh, run the football and use clock. I get it, but. If you go into this game thinking you're going to run, 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 and you go on this 12, 13, 14 play drive, you score, and then you give up a touchdown two plays later, it's deflating, you're back out on the field, you're front, you got to go there with the mentality of we are going to do whatever it takes, right? But what I mean by that is if it's a run situation, we're going to throw. If it's a throw situation, we might sneak in a couple of runs. Like you need to be unpredictable and do whatever it takes and go in there knowing that Casey's going to score and we got to score we got to outscore him. I just think that's the frame of mind. And if you think you can just run the game the ball all game, I think that's a fallacy. You can't. You cannot do that because A you're not going to pick up as many first downs as you think and B it takes some rhythm out of a passing game you're going to need. So I think there's there's balance, but I would prefer throwing it even more than running it in this game. Partly because Casey defends the run pretty well. They do. They do. And uh you know like you alluded to just now, you can ice out your own passing game uh, by trying this method, you know, so don't, it cuts both ways uh, to a certain, you know, to a certain extent, I think. I do too. And I also think uh, I I should, I should kind of backtrack that a little bit. Casey doesn't defend the run that well. They defend the wide zone pretty well uh, because they, they have an approach that I think puts pressure on the exterior of the offense and thus makes wide zone, a tough thing to run and they have really solid backside pursuit. Now, if you recall, John, and I'm sure you do, the Browns started running the ball real well in the second half because they spread them out. They went into the gun and they ran some power, a little counter from the gun and they started chunking them on run plays there. So I'm sure Steve Spagnuolo is watching the same tape saying, okay, this is some of the stuff they will try to do. We'll see. The Browns will test the run stuff early. They'll test their wide zone. They'll test it. But uh, like Baker throwing 30 times or more is definitely in the realm of possibility for me. And it should be like a, a I don't know, it should be a borderline launching point to me if you're going to beat these guys. The data on the Chiefs is the data. Like, I don't have it in front of me, but Pat Mahomes has thrown like 21 touchdowns and zero interceptions in September. Like something like that. <laughs> He's undefeated. Yeah. Him and him and him and Reed are undefeated. So they have to find a way to get it done. And in my opinion, it's not going to be a a 17-12 win. It's going to be a 38-35, something like that. So that's what you have to find a way to do. So that's an interesting thing that keeps coming up. The next thing that keeps coming up, I think defensively, I want to throw this to you. The Browns should do what they tried to do last year, but now with better personnel. They should try to funnel things. They should play 
uh, and I, I even retweeted it today, which is the, the, the key to stopping big plays in the NFL, right? Keep everything in front of you and tackle. That's what they went into KC and tried to do last year. They said, we are going to cover three. We're going to quarters you and keep everything in front of us. No big plays. And right. We're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to challenge you and uh, sorry, we're, we're not going to challenge. We're, I mean, they're challenging you, but they're saying, here are some throws you can make, make them for 10, 12, 14 play drives, right? Like that's what they're trying to, to do instead of putting themselves in risky situations where they could give up a big play. So do you think they should go in there and say, Hey, now our personnel's better. We're going to cover it better and maybe uh, give our front four guys some time to get home. Or should they do a little of what KC likes to do? Walk down, get in your face, play some cover one, and then say, Hey, we're going to help our defensive line get home by making Pat have to read schemes a little bit longer, making the routes, you know, have to beat press coverage and do some of those things. So I don't know. I, I'm curious. Do you think there'll be sort of passive approach, sort of making you earn drives, or do you think they're going to get aggressive? Um, I think that I think you could kind of take it uh, a couple different ways. Well, first of all, let me say I don't want to see us blitzing a bunch. Um, that I don't want to see. Um, you know, Casey is going to blitz a ton. They blitz 45 percent of the time in dropbacks last year in the playoff game. Uh, and Spagnola is going to blitz. I, I don't want to see us blitzing. Um, I would like to, to do a keep it in front of you, kind of prevent the big play on the outside type approach, but I'd like to see them get a little bit in the face of, um, you know, in the, in the middle there. I'd like to see them get in the face of Kelsey a little bit, you know, uh, have a few guys, um, you know, responsible. I'd like to see them defend that middle of the field a little tighter while um, keeping things in front of them uh, deep, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Kind of funneling things in and keeping your safeties unlocked, but maybe challenging the second level a bit more. So um, I'm with it. I think that they could try to get a bit more aggressive. I definitely do. Uh, I think they could try to get more aggressive and, and pinpoint some situations that they think they could try to challenge personnel. Do we man for man have the guys to do this? Uh, we'll see, but I think that they'll probably be best served by trying to use better players, use better zone feel, et cetera, and, and try to take advantage of making Kansas City play 12, 8, 10, 12, 14 flawless plays down the field, right? Because all it takes is a holding call. It takes a holding call or a block in the back or anything, sure. and, and you, you put them in a second and long and you have a chance. So I think that's what they want to eventually get to. Another one I keep hearing, you need to – Double Tyreek Hill. If you're going to win this game, you got to take Tyreek Hill out of the game. Is that true or false? No, I, you know, not in the Belichick sense. I don't think where they will like true double uh, brackets. Okay, um, you know, I, I think almost they'd be better served doubling Kelsey, but or Kels. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> since we're saying that now. Um, I. To a certain extent, I mean, Hill is what he is, and you can do the best you can, but I, I, I'm not sure that we have the resources to say that that's a great strategy for us to, to double up on Hill personally. But I think that there's there's some room for argument. I think they should double uh, Kelsey, too. I'm calling him Kelsey. It's been too long, man. If he wanted this rectified, <laughs> he should have done it sooner. Um, both him and his brother should have done it sooner. So I'm going with Kelsey. It just feels right. Kelsey just feels like I'm talking about someone that I've never talked about before. I think they should bracket him inside out as much as they can. Uh, I think he's the ultimate security blanket, and their offense is another level of good when he's thriving. 
So that would be something I would do. Do you think Denzel can cover Tyreek one-on-one? Do you think they should shadow him? They did not shadow him last year with, with, uh, with Denzel. Do you think that, that would be an optimal game plan? We should, you know, wherever Tyreek goes, Denzel covers him, and we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do with the others and just kind of mix and match. I think I would give it a shot. You know, the you've got time to adjust early, uh, time to figure things out somewhat um, in that regard. I think um, I think he has if he's if he is a hundred percent, if he's truly a hundred percent, and we seem healthy here, then I'd give him uh, a shot at that before I want to see him one on one with with Kelsey again personally. <laughs> but um, you know, I don't know that there's people that can really match up one-on-one truly with Hill. So like, you know, if you're asking whether I, uh, we don't need any kind of safety help, I don't think I would try that, but, um, but certainly I think it would be a good idea to at least test that early. He burns you one early, uh, maybe, maybe adjust your strategy, but you know, I mean, Denzel is supposed to be, you know, coming up, I'm making this big money deal for a reason. And I'd like to see this be the year that he proves that he deserves it. So, um, he's been on the cusp for a little while. Um, you know, if he's healthy, I'd like to see him try. I would too. I would too. I think you, uh, I think he's the type of guy. I've said it this week on this pod. He's the type, maybe I've said it on Twitch too. He's the type of guy that can uh, defend Hill respectively, I think, because he's the, that's the type of player that he has had success defending through his career. Not that Tyreek Hill is the John Browns of the world or the smaller receivers out there. The you know those types of guys I'm not saying, but it is a a mold of receiver. Tyreek Hill presents a unique challenge, obviously, but uh, I just think that's the type of guy I would try Denzel on. I do not like him on on Kelsey whatsoever. We saw it last year. The physicality is not something he's ever dealt with. AJ Brown he's not dealt with very well. Claypool he's not dealt with very well. Those bigger receivers he's not dealt with those guys very well. Uh, they try to keep him off the DK Metcalfs of the world. So uh, that is an interesting. Uh, way to go about it do you feel like putting jok in that box on on kelsey in his first nfl game is a smart thing to try to do do you think he can handle that i think it would be kind of uh similar to when people talk about being a lamar stopper right nobody's a lamar stopper um i think you've got a it, it takes a village type thing uh but i would have no problem with him being one of the people um that we use to defend him he's explosive he's i think he's one of the few guys on this roster with the the kind of size and speed necessary to hang to make a more difficult throw not that pat isn't going to do that anyway when you give him the opportunity but you know uh, that's that's probably how i would answer that i would have no problem putting him on there but not not in the sense that uh hey this is our kelsey stopper and we're just going to put jok on there and leave him on an island that's that's certainly not how i go about it Another thing, to beat the Chiefs, hold them in check, whatever you want to label it, you have to pressure Pat Mahomes. You cannot cover long enough uh, with these guys. You have to get immediate pressure on them like we saw in the Super Bowl. That's the only way to beat them. Or do you think there is another way to beat them? Or do you think, like like I guess I'm saying, do you think the Browns can cover well enough to uh, you know, be a, a part of that they can rely on, right? Coverage sacks becoming a thing. I don't think there were many coverage sacks in that Super Bowl. So... Uh, you know, what I'm getting at is, do you think the Browns can cover well enough independent of pass rush, or they're going to have to get home and create, create disruption up the middle and on the edges to win this game? I think it honestly, God, I, th- I think it's a 50, 50 deal. I think we've got to, 
We've got to use that coverage to give us enough time, um, you know, because Miles is going to get home. You give him enough time, um, give him enough time to do that, but also not break contain uh, and create these broken situations where receiver, you know, we're asking, uh, uh, you know, we allow Pat to get off to the side and no, he's not Mahomes, but if he, or excuse me, he's not Lamar, but uh, if you let him then create these breakoff scenarios where, you know, somebody can get lost in the coverage and, and, you know, just becomes a backyard football type situation. That's like the worst of the situations to me. So I would like a controlled um, pass rush that keeps him in the pocket. And, uh, but obviously you can't let him stay there all day. So I really do think it's gotta be like a 50, 50 thing. Like the, the coverage has got to give him a few more tenths of a second to, to try and get home and the uh, and the defensive line just cannot let him break contain and create these backyard situations. Yeah, the backyard situations is so paramount, right? Like they didn't have much of that. I think they were pretty strong in that regard in last year's contest, but that's because the ball was out quick and he had easy throws, right? The the zone Agreed. they were throwing right. at him did not allow them to get any pressure on him and thus allow him to break contain, but I thought they were pretty strong there for the most part. So we'll see. I know the Chiefs beat them with some some quick lateral runs. McCole Harmon had a long, a long run early in the game, and then I think a lateral route. Tyreek Hill went uh, on that deep over route that he kills people with. So they really horizontally challenged Cleveland. So that that'll be interesting. But your your point about rush lane discipline and containing him in the pocket because you really don't want to get into NFL Street Mahomes. It's not fun, right? Like when he's out of the pocket doing crazy stuff it's it's not fun now that's great if you force him to get out of the pocket that usually means you're a getting pressure and b covering well initially but you still don't win the rep right you still got to finish the rep so trying to box him in is the way to go now boxing him in is not so easy but that's the approach you have to have so that run lane discipline sorry rush lane discipline will be pretty important um Last thing here, and we'll we'll split it, it, the the deep portion of the field. The conversation all off season, John, has been well. How do the Browns unlock the deep portions of the field? You know, they got to do it. They got to do it. So the theory here is that the Browns now have the ability, or are are, are on uh, the path here to unlocking the deep portions of the field. They have done enough, and they will challenge. So the the, the thing here is. The Browns will beat press coverage in this game, and they'll challenge deep portions of the field. Do you think? that is something we will see as a means to beat them? Or do you think it'll be a lot of the same winning short intermediate got to get off press, but maybe the, the deep downfield throws we've all been talking about are a little misguided. So I, I think that we'll, we'll have an opportunity and I think that we should test them with Odell early. If they, if I'm the chiefs, um, you know, I'm looking at Odell coming off of knee surgery. I'm looking at a second year player in DP, uh, DPJ, um, you know, Schwartz, I'm not sure how much he's going to be on the field, but my point is, is that I don't think that there's a whole lot of reason for KC to change the way that they start this game until we prove that, that they shouldn't take the exact same approach that they had, uh, in the playoffs last year. I think they're going to do it again. Now, you know, I'll take it back to your guest yesterday. who was excellent. Um, you know, on the defensive side, you know, Spagnola is going to blitz, um, as I said earlier, 45% of the time. And, and guess what? Baker, you know, he graded out at like a 93 on those blitz plays. He did very well. Uh, but I think one of the keys is that we know about KC is they don't have Baltimore secondary. They play similar to Baltimore, which you made that point as well. Uh, but they don't have the kind of coverage that they do. So it's great that Baker did, 
very well versus the Blitz. Excellent versus the Blitz. And we know that Spags is going to come after him. He's not going to change that style. I think maybe, um, you know, aside from trying to make sure, trying to get them to respect Odell um, on the edge early, um, will also be taking advantage of those blitzes by hitting the opportunities that they give. And he hit some good opportunities. You know, his uh, big time uh, throws in that were against blitzes. But I think more so than just hitting these big home runs is going to be to hit the right man when they blitz um, to create these big plays. And they might not be giant, you know, home runs that are, you know, unguarded as a result, like you saw maybe against Tennessee or something like that last year, I think, but hitting the right guy on these blitz and turning these, um, these, you know, short intermediates to into something like a 30, 40 yard big play gain. I think that's very reasonable for them to try and attack those things. I think we can do a better job. Um, even though he had a 93 grade last year at hitting guys that are going to give us more when we do hit them. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So it's it's taking advantage of the aggressiveness, right? Turning the aggressiveness right. on them. They have to create some separation, right? They got to they got to create mm-hmm. it, and you would like to see an easier uh, portion of throws, right? That's one thing you and I have talked about so much since since that game last year is the degree of difficulty for the for Baker and those throws in the playoff game were so different than what Pat was making, like. It's in, and really, it's not Patrick's fault, like Mahomes' fault. Like, he, the way he is and the way that offense is creates those. And that kudos to them, like the fear of him. It's what I talk about with Lamar. Like, Lamar's throws are generally speaking easier than other people. And it's not his fault. It's a credit to him because people are so afraid of how they run the football and how he runs the football that it creates passing lanes, opportunities and zone coverage that create that are not created by other quarterbacks. It's just it's true. It's not it's an undeniable fact. And again, that is not a detriment to them. That's because of their ability. Pat, you know, the throws Pat was making in that game against the Browns before he went out were obviously because of the danger that is Patrick Mahomes. Like he changes how you approach defense. So kudos. There is not that level of fear with Baker in the Browns wide receiver group. And, you know, the, the Kelsey and Tyreek Hill at that time, I think Sammy Watkins played in that game. That group, like, does invoke the fear, right? Like, they're, they're a part of it. There's nobody that the good defenses that we, you know, we saw the Browns play were not, there was not that, what do they call it, appropriate fear, right, of the Browns right. doing those things. So that right. thus makes Baker have to make more difficult throws and it makes life harder on him. So to the point, um, that's, that's something to pay attention to. Like, can they beat, like you're talking about, not only can he beat the blitz, can he, can he deliver the football and they create separation to make it so he doesn't have to throw it through a keyhole to get it done. That will be something to monitor early. Uh, we talked about monitoring the defensive aggressiveness early. Is there anything else, John, that you are going to be drawing your eyes to early in the game or just throughout the game? Like what you're most excited to watch? Yeah, I think the one other thing that I want to see um, is usage of the tight ends for the Browns. Um, I think that, you know, with uh, Willie Gay out, with, um, you know, the possibility, and we'll see, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too uh, too far ahead, but um, Matthew may, may be out. I want to see, you know, David Njoku probably had maybe his best game as a pro um, in that game, considering the 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 level of competition, the importance of the game, everything like that. I would like to see them uh, using that and attacking that middle because I think that that's an area that we could soften them up. And uh, so I would like to see that. And just to your point, I think you know, kind of summarizing that whole thing is just 
a key to this game is narrowing that gap in the difficulty of throws from last year. You know, we don't know how how much we can do it, but they've got to be easier for Baker. They've got to be harder for Pat. Flat out, when we look back on the game and you and I catch up next week, this will be the thing. What did the throws look like for each team? You know, was there more challenging? Is it was like it was like seven on seven for Mahomes last year. It really was. Yeah. And again, it's mm-hmm. kudos to him for who he is and his reputation. But there's no denying that's what it was like. So we'll see if his degree is more difficult and if Baker can find some easier throws this year will be the thing to track. John, you're the man, dude. I appreciate every every moment of your time. Go finish the game. Have a great night. We'll catch up next week. You too, Jake. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to John for joining us. He's the man. I appreciate every time he can come on the show. Great conversation we're having every week. We'll continue to have these conversations for you. A little bit on around the NFL, a little bit on the Browns' uh, upcoming opponent, a little bit of a look back the week prior. It's going to be fun. It's just like uh, if you're a if you're a Bill Simmons guy, he's the cousin Sal to the show. I, I think that that I'm trying something there. Hopefully that connects with you if you listen to shows. I don't have many other pods I listen to. I listen to Rosillo. But uh, I don't know, Saruti, if you're a Rosillo podcast guy, his producer, but John's not a producer. He's a fantastic guest. Anyway, we're going to keep having him on every week. These conversations are my favorite part of the week on this pod, so continue to check those out. Thanks to everybody joining us. We'll have a Twitch show up uh, Friday uh, afternoon, evening. We will post our roundtable discussion where we all pick a topic and go into the game and talk about it. It's going to be fun. Check that out on the OBR Twitch. And then I'll have my Behind Enemy Lines right up on the Kansas City Chiefs up for Saturday morning. We'll do our prospect study on the weekend of college football and Stephen Thomas's most latest, the latest mock draft for him. Uh, we'll talk about some of those guys. That'll be your Saturday podcast in the morning, perhaps maybe even Friday night. I'll post that so you can get a jump start on it for your college football Saturday. Browns, Oregon, or geez, Ohio State, Oregon should be a fun game. And then uh, Sunday morning, you'll have my 10, 15 minute game day primer as well. And then we'll be live on the pregame show at two 30 for the Twitch channel, two hours of pregame. And then we'll jump on and have our post game as well. So continue to check out the OBR's content. Thanks for following and sharing everything about this podcast. We might hit a 100,000 download month. It's getting bananas. You guys are the best. This show matters because you make it matter. You drive me to do it every single day. I appreciate you guys so, so much. Have a great night. Enjoy your NFL football. Uh, Hopefully you're enjoying it uh, and have have a great Friday and go Browns. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com